Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for Pivot comes from Pendo. Pendo improves the apps your customers and employees rely on. Whether you're building applications for customers or managing applications for employees, Pendo can help deliver better experiences for your users so they can get more value from your software. Visit pendo.io slash pivot to learn more about how your team can use Pendo to start building better digital experiences. There you can also check out Pendo's lineup of free certification courses, 12 hours of in-depth training for your product management teams on topics from AI to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. Scott Galloway is off today doing bad things, I'm sure. But today I'm joined by Alyssa Farah Griffin, co-host of The View. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you for having me, Kara. I, I hope you know I'm a, I'm a Pivot super fan, so this oh, you is are. thrilling. Oh, good. <laughs> That's what we like. That's what we like to have here. Um, and you are on The View. You are, you are the, what, the conservative on The View? How do you explain yourself? <laughs> uh, yes, I filled a conservative seat on The View. I joined mm-hmm. in August and, you know, a lot of women have held that seat. I've decided mm-hmm. I'm going to make it my own. I may not okay, be good a idea. Twitter right winger, but I am a conservative and I've been right. enjoying it. Good, good. And it's it's supposed to be like a discussion, just like Pivot, where we don't get along and we try to talk things out. And various conservatives have been different than others and various liberals on that show have been different than others. But it's essentially you all talk out all the issues of the day, depending on what they are daily for people who don't watch. But a lot of people watch The View. Exactly, exactly. No, I, was, I was joking with the producer before. I think the nexus of pivot listeners and the view may not be that big, but I am one of them and my husband is <laughs> one are. of them. No, there's, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. And you've been there for August. How, how did you get there? Because I'm sure it was like a bake-off, right, of conservative women? Or... It was. The entire 25th season was basically the search for the new conservative host. So, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of incredible women uh, came out, came on. Uh, they mm-hmm. had, you know, Essie Cup, Condoleezza mm-hmm. Rice at one point. Gretchen Carlson, Mm -hmm. fabulous women. And I kept getting called back. I think what they, they liked, um, was I'm not just a professional opinion haver. I've, I've worked in government and I've worked Mm -hmm. in high, you know, in politics as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a show that has to have chemistry. Even if I Mm -hmm. totally disagree with my co-hosts at times, we all generally, genuinely like each other. So Mm -hmm. that helps. Um, like I never would have thought Joy Behar would be a friend of mine, but here I am (laughs) and she is. She's hilarious. (laughs) So you wanted to do it because why? Now you had worked for people don't know in the Trump administration, but you also spoke to the January 6th committee about your former boss. Yeah. So I worked for in the Trump administration at three different roles. I was Pence's press secretary. I was the Department of Defense, uh, press secretary. And then I was the final White House communications director. And Listen, I, I've been really open. I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I wasn't a fan of his, but I chose to go into service once he was 
president because I don't mm-hmm. think you can give up on the American presidency uh, for mm-hmm. four years. Mm-hmm. And when I, I joined him in the final stretch of the administration around the time of COVID, um, hoping to to make a marginal impact on the way we are messaging it and trying to not politicize, a, you know, a virus that ended up killing mm-hmm. over a million Americans. And listen, what I saw in that White House was a disaster. I mean, it was worse than what we were reading in the headlines, the, mm-hmm. the infighting, um, but fundamentally the lack of character of the former mm-hmm. president. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after he lost, I was the first senior official to resign and you to were. acknowledge Joe Biden had won the election fairly. There was no fraud. It was not mm-hmm. stolen mm-hmm. and hadn't planned to become like a vocal detractor of his. I was planning to just kind of move on with my life. Right. Cause you wanted to stay in conservative politics, right? You exactly. Been, exactly. Yeah, and right. I mean, the, the safest thing to do was kind of sit back and just, you know, let him do what he does and, you know, pop up on Fox News and kind of ride the right wing media mm-hmm. train. But after January 6th, I was just horrified. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went on, you know, NBC, CNN and Fox News the next morning and said he should resign. Uh, He was Mm -hmm. unfit for office. It was anti-democratic. And I've joked, I'm close with Liz Cheney. I joked with her after the fact. I was like, you know, I I spoke out because it was the right thing to do, but I also assumed people were going to come with me. And she's like, yeah, Alyssa, think how I felt. (laughs) I know. Well, why didn't that happen? Because there were a number of people who did spells, a lot of women, actually, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Although there there weren't that many. There are men, but inside the White House, it was interesting to watch. You're still conservative. You wanted to work in conservative policy. Is that possible if you're not a Trumper right now? Like you, you had a long history, right? Right. I mean, I've, I've worked for most big names in Republican politics now. Mark Meadows, right? You Mark Meadows, Mark. DeSantis, McMulvaney, uh, Trump, Pence, and so on. I don't think I have a place in working in Republican politics now, but back mm-hmm. to your original question, um, of why I wanted to do the view. I never saw myself doing it. Daytime mm-hmm. made no sense to me. I actually didn't even want to, I never planned to get into TV. I kind of stumbled into it, mm-hmm. but it's a huge platform. It's a lot of women. Um, it's a lot of, there are independents. I think people, there's a mm-hmm. sense that the, sh- the show skews left, but our data mm-hmm. on the audience is there's a lot of undecided independents. And my biggest goal and what I care the most about going into 2024 is ensuring Donald Trump is never president again. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. I can use that platform to communicate why from my firsthand knowledge, knowing him, I'm going to mm-hmm. do that every day. Mm-hmm. And the idea of what conservative politics is now, I mean, I, I went to Georgetown University. It was a very active conservative group there. It's very different than what it is today. It was more, you know, obviously huge disagreements, whether it's abortion or whatever it happens to be, government size. How do you look at the GOP? And how, when you you said independence, what do you mean by, like, do you think there's going to be another party? There is one. There's no labels party, I guess, that's starting. Um, but, you know, and the last one I saw was on Madam Secretary Tia Leone won presidency as the whatever party, <laughs> like the independent party. And that was great. She was a great president. But how do you look at that? What happens to people like you who have been sort of, I, I know a lot of the people like you, um, George Conway, a whole bunch of different people who have different, don't there, know where to go. There are a lot of us, I think there's more than we realize, and who are just everyday Americans too, who aren't mm-hmm. people with platforms. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm still in the realm of, I want to fight from within. I want to see the party mm-hmm. course correct and change. Others have left. I think George has, but my sense is this. I mean, when you look at the Republican Party right now, mm-hmm. it, it looks like a 1990s Pat Buchanan version of the Republican That's Party. Right. Yeah, it does. Protectionist, anti-globalization, um, you know, uh, anti-immigration, um, mm-hmm. also leaning super heavily into the culture wars. And mm-hmm. none of that defines 
who I am, what I believe in, and what my values are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a there are a lot of us, but we have mm-hmm. to be willing to talk through what our values are and why they work better mm-hmm. and why we want to be a party that frankly can win. You know, we haven't won a popular vote in nearly two yeah, we'll decades. Yeah, we'll be talking about one that you haven't, the Wisconsin one was a big sign. Chicago. That was a big Wisconsin. sign. So, yeah. and again, though, I mean, a big part of this, you can't take Donald Trump out of the equation. Is no. He's, he's putting his finger on, on these elections and we keep nominating people who are poor candidates. I mean, mm-hmm. it was the gentleman in Wisconsin was an extremist. It, mm-hmm. it, it was, it, it was a good thing that he lost. And mm-hmm. if I could briefly tell you why. Mm-hmm. We're um, going to get to it. We're going oh, we'll to get there. I'll we're save it. We're get there. Okay, <laughs> save it. So let, let's say, tell me, we're going to talk about today. Donald Trump has been charged. You might have heard about it. This, a man from Queens was, was arrested. Um, we'll talk about what comes next uh, for him and his opponents. We'll also get to the 2024 race and make some predictions. But first, it's been another bad week for TikTok. The company, has been fined almost $16 million by UK privacy regulators for failing to protect children's data. The authorities said TikTok didn't do enough to check who was using the platform, allowing over a million children under 13 to use the app in 2020. That's not a surprise for people with kids. And in another sting uh, in the land down under, the Australian government says it will remove the app from all government devices. This is a trend that's happening all over the world. Uh, NATO has also reportedly banned the app on work devices. I happened to be at a breakfast this morning talking to a congressperson asking me, what should we do, Kara? And I was like... <laughs> Take it off your device, uh, representative. But do you use TikTok on your phone? I do not. So when mm-hmm. I was at the Department of Defense, we mm-hmm. banned it on devices, and that was reason mm-hmm. enough for me the the concerns over national security implications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe I have an account that's managed by the View. I have huge, huge concerns about TikTok. First and foremost from the national security and data privacy side of things. Let's talk about that. I mean, listen, the moment to act on TikTok, by the way, was several years ago. This came Mm -hmm. up in the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. And and what we, those of us who were proponents of banning it said is the more people you get, once this becomes the most downloaded app in the country, Mm -hmm. it's so much harder to pull it back and to Mm -hmm. create some kind of a ban. And the Restrict Act in Congress, it's a surprising moment of bipartisanship when we don't Mm -hmm. see a lot. But I have concerns that's not going to move. I've seen some um, some right-wing detractors uh, actually make valid points about how expansive this is with uh, mm-hmm. for the executive. It gives it's them a, a lot. It's a patriarch. It is. It is. There's worries about, so what could this be next? What are we mm-hmm. going to ban next? But every American, if you if you cared, I think Scott might have said this, but if you care about that damn Chinese spy balloon, uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting American data, gaining intelligence on us, you've got that in your pocket if you have TikTok on your phone. So let's talk about that bipartisanship because it's the, the original stuff started in the Trump administration, although I say I wrote about it three years ago, the problem of, of Chinese surveillance and propaganda. But it started there. Of course, they did it executionally incompetently, um, didn't, you know, were just trying to do these deals that aren't legal or anything else, got stopped by judges correctly because they did it wrong. And it never went anywhere. And of course, TikTok kept growing in size. And, and it's turned out it's 150 million American users, which is much higher than they had originally reported, uh, which we thought they were much bigger in terms of making more money. Were you there during that time when they were doing sort of the TikTok screaming that didn't re- wasn't really effective? Yeah, this was probably the, the tail end of the administration. And mm-hmm. I think uh, the former president had concerns over any kind of an all-out ban. There was this idea of, I believe, spinning off ByteDance. That's right. And trying yeah. to, yeah, have it. Yeah, have the it, company, the TikTok company. itself, the U.S. Yes. ByteDance is in China. Yeah, and trying mm-hmm. to do it where, you know, it's completely U.S.-based and that they could give you a little mm-hmm. bit more, you know, calm and, and sense of uh, security that it would be based in the U.S. And 
there, it just never really, it never got the comprehensive support that it should have. But I will tell you, the Intel community and the national security community were always on the side of, aside from not having on government devices, we shouldn't even be using it in the continental mm-hmm. United States. Mm-hmm. And what was the excuse, was the national security issues, correct? Yes, it was all from the national security perspective. Um, yeah. and, and, in that, and now we know, I mean, you're, you know, I'm not a, a parent yet, but I mean, I, I have huge concerns also from the mental health side of things. Mm-hmm. But that's just, all of them. That's that's, that's going to be any app. Yeah, it just happens to be. Yeah, um, but what but national security issues are interesting because they, that's what they talked about in Congress, and you a lot of us watch that. Except they don't have proof. You know, they need to show that it's a national security. Now, the Defense Department can just ban it. Correct? You can just say we're not putting it on government devices, and that's been super popular. All the governments are doing that, um, and many school systems are doing that, and they certainly can. But the idea of banning something overall is incredibly difficult unless you had. It's rock solid proof that there was something going on. And I think there's an obligation for the government to tell that story to the American public. And mm-hmm. a, a, full, full disclosure, I intellectually am for a ban. I don't mm-hmm. know what that actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that I see the rationale for it, but when you have that many users on it. Um, mm-hmm. You have an entire industry built around TikTok. You know, I hate mm-hmm. the term creator, but you have- They're used doing ads. Lively. Have you seen yeah. their ads? They're yeah. on DCTV, which was they, really interesting. Well, they have a very strong lobbying effort. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get reached out to by the TikTok lobbyists constantly. Oh, trying really? To, yeah, trying to drum up support of, you know- What to do say, they say to you? Hey, girl. I, I, hey, girl. And they, actually, their big push right now is this, this argument that this is like the Patriot Act. It's going to become more far-reaching, Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Rand Paul has made this case as well. So they're Mm -hmm. trying to reach the right with that argument. I'd be curious how they're approaching the left, although Mm -hmm. Patriot Act and surveillance issues, I think, are where the right and left can sometimes meet. Yeah, a lot of it is also small business. I've seen so many ads, TikTok. We, you know, I make soap. I make, I never thought I'd make soap, but here I am making soap and selling it on TikTok. It's a really, they're being very precise. So you've been reached out. That's interesting. Let me move on to something else. Tim Cook, him speaking of children, himself is warning parents to limit children's tech and GQ profile, the Apple CEO said kids are now, quote, born digital, but should have what he calls hard rails on screen time. Cook said Apple doesn't want people using their phones too much, saying we're not incentivized for that. And that is correct. They're not. The profile also touched on his wariness of the data industrial complex, which Apple, of course, is a part of, although less so than a Facebook or a Google. Though a reminder in 2021, the company implemented an opt-in or opt-out for sharing data on apps on your device. It really hurt the bottom line of Facebook and Meta, Facebook slash Meta and Snapchat and several others. What do you think of this idea? Is it too preachy coming from a tech company? Although Apple's done the most for privacy compared to the government. The government's done almost nothing. They talk, you know, Trump again talked about this. Biden talked about this. They didn't pass the the privacy bill. They didn't pass the antitrust bill. How do you look when a tech person says this? On the one hand, it feels very like we created a problem and now we're encouraging you to solve it. Um, sort of parallels the, some of the, these tech giants coming out, um, make it raising concerns about artificial intelligence and calling for this, you know, six month pause. But at the same time, these are the experts in the field. Uh, these are people who have such, you know, firsthand knowledge of the technology and what the implications of it are. So I don't think we can tune it out. I do think we have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is, this is echoed in so many studies. There's so much data that shows 
the mental health impacts of social media. We have, we have no idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's the generation under mine that has been, has come up in a world where this exists and they don't know when, where it does it. Mm-hmm. And we don't actually fully know how it's going to be impacting them, but it's not going to be good. When you think about how they, how the, the government thinks about why had the government, I, you know, Trump tried to do this with section 230. Biden has tried to say this around section 230. They've tried to pass bills. They never get passed. Is it just when you're, you know, you're in community cases. Is it just like, just say it and then do nothing? It seems like this is what they do. They hold a hearing, they get all angry, it's all performative, and then nothing happens. And then the tech guys go home and get richer and richer. Uh, In this case, Apple is a little different. I would say they have done a lot of stuff around piracy, but it's not his job to be regulator in chief for for the United States or the world. No, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it is largely performative. Listen, Congress hasn't enacted sweeping tech reform in, uh, ever. In, yeah. In, in, ever. In, ever. And, um, if you've ever watched one of these major hearings, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, TikTok, even Ticketmaster, we have a lot of members of Congress who don't even understand the basics of how mm-hmm. the tech they're trying to regulate works. Um, I think that in, you know, in my experience, at least in the Trump administration, there were a lot of ideas that sounded good in theory for, except for example, um, you know, reforming section 230 or even mm-hmm. reversing it. It's, it's completely unfeasible though. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just yes, my personal is. perspective. I mean, you, yeah. you cannot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something you can rail about. So you sound like you're doing something, but. Trump has no plans to actually take on big tech. He has a lot right. of plan, a lot of plans to, you know, beat the drum of taking them on. Mm-hmm. And, and Congress is to some degree in the same boat. Um, mm-hmm. this has come up in energy and commerce. Uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers has been, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the reforms that need to happen, but I don't think I see something major. Marsha Blackburn, Marsha mm-hmm. Blackburn, many others. Is it a good thing from a cop to do this to say, Oh, big tech or is it doesn't, isn't it really a, do people not really care when you're saying <laughs> it? So much of our policy making or lack thereof is simply throwing around buzzwords that we've made mm-hmm. kind of pejoratives. And in big tech is something that plays very well on the right. If you're going mm-hmm. after, you know, the Googles of the world and so on, mm-hmm. you, you know, that's interpreted as, as a righteous, you know, war that you're taking on. But I mm-hmm. don't know that there's really much plans to actually make changes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and you've seen it even with, with the Elon Twitter takeover, you know, Twitter mm-hmm. was the enemy, but now you've got mm-hmm. a, a far right leader running it. So suddenly Twitter's not the enemy of, of the right wing anymore. Mm-hmm. And now they embrace it. Now they embrace they, it. He wasn't far right. It. You know, only a couple of years ago, he was, I was at this breakfast morning. Someone said to, he was talking to someone in, who had, who had voted for a Republican or Bush or one of them. And he goes, how could you have done that? Not and voted for Obama. <laughs> like he <laughs> was mad. I'm dying mad. to know that like villain origin story there because he, I, I, I had the, I met him only once uh, <laughs> down, origin at, story. <laughs> <laughs> so down at NASA and seeing some of the mm-hmm. incredible stuff that he's doing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just, I, I had such admiration for him. I mean, talk about changing the trajectory of humanity. This is with the Defense Department when you were at Defense? Uh, actually with Vice President Pence, because uh, he mm-hmm. was the chair of the National Space Council. So um, mm-hmm. Elon was, uh, you know, an, 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 an kind of outside unofficial advisor. And mm-hmm. um, I just found him so impressive, but I'm, I'm, Shocked that someone so brilliant could have so much time to engage in such unserious discussions. Yeah, well, there you have it. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, space Elon is good Elon. Yeah. Tesla Elon is okay Elon. Twitter Elon is a really bad Elon. There's a lot of Elons. <laughs> anyway, let's get to our first big story, which you know a lot about. 
Donald Trump has officially been charged with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. Trump reported to a Manhattan courtroom on Tuesday to plead not guilty. A trial won't happen until January, if it happens at all. Uh, Trump's lawyers have previously discussed filing for dismissal, though they haven't said much since Tuesday, and it's unlikely it will be dismissed, from what I understand, from most legal scholars. Uh, the team Trump could haggle over evidence, venue, and statute of limitations. They're not going to get it moved. There's not going to be such. Anyway, it's going to trial if unless they settle. But in the meantime, the case will definitely be tried in the court of public opinion, obviously. Let's review some facts. The hush money payments happened. There's no dispute there. Trump's uh, lawyer, Michael Cohen, had already pled guilty to making these payments and violating campaign finance law. The company behind the National Enquirer, which is a sort of an interesting new wrinkle here, has already paid a fine to the FEC over one of the payments to a second woman. Trump doesn't deny making the payments, but he said it was his money, not campaign funds. He does deny having an affair with either woman and says their requests for money uh, were extortion, except there's some facts where he says, let's wait till after the election because he thought he wasn't going to win and then he wouldn't have to pay. So that's another thing. So uh, talk to me about whether these people are debating this charges will help or hurt the Trump campaign. And I'd love you to sort of, you know, since you're, you're in comms and, and, and how people are perceived, what is the perception game going on here? Uh, well, listen, the, the, yeah, happy belated Trump arraignment day uh, to <laughs> yeah, all yeah. who celebrate. Like, Tuesday was unequivocally a, a bad day for Donald Trump. Um, mm-hmm. he is a man, despite many of his, you know, out there bad actions, as a man who is consumed by legacy. Mm-hmm. He cares about how he's perceived and how he'll be remembered. And he will be remembered as the first former president to be indicted. That's just mm-hmm. a fact. Mm-hmm. It was a bit surreal to watch. Um, and mm-hmm. I say that, I mean, obviously, just because it's a historic moment, but this is a man who's in denial about the fact that he even lost the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. He actually still has staff refer to him as president. He's made his Trump Force One look like Air Force One. So he has been living in this world in which he gets to kind of cosplay president still. Mm-hmm. But that all ended the minute his plane landed. He was in a much smaller motorcade than a former president. And then the minute he steps into the courtroom, he's in custody and he's basically alone, aside from yeah. an attorney and an advisor. Mm-hmm. And knowing him... I think that hit him. You could see mm-hmm. it on his face that the pictures that came out of the courtroom, there was a, there was a sobriety and a, a somberness to mm-hmm. that moment. Apparently he said to someone, you're really going to arrest me. He c- couldn't quite believe it. That's what one of the reporters said. Incredible. He was like, yes, I am. I don't know what <laughs> yes, to say. I am. Yes, I am. But I do think uh, that the campaign allegedly raised $10 million um, yes. over yeah. the past week. And every prominent Republican, elected Republican, I should say, came out and essentially defended the former president, said, mm-hmm. you know, these are trumped up charges. It's a minor offense um, as mm-hmm. far as it's a witch hunt. And the one that stood out to me was Mitt Romney, who's a mm-hmm. Trump detractor, has said he's unfit for office. But even he said it felt political. So, mm-hmm. you know, my sense is this is going to be a boon to him in the polls. Um, I think mm-hmm. significantly so. And I think Ron DeSantis, who's been kind of nipping at his heels in the polls and is kind of having a moment uh, he had to come out and say, you know, he would he wouldn't extradite him and this was wrong yeah. and is in a position where he's having to defend Trump. Uh, when he was speaking at Mar-a-Lago after the arraignment, he mm-hmm. he very clearly it felt like a campaign speech. And mm-hmm. I think in some ways it was a stronger moment for his reelection campaign than the actual initial which was launch. a dud, which was a dud, a total which was- dud. Right. Were you there? No, you weren't there. You wouldn't have been there. Uh, no, I was watching from CNN and we were yeah. just, we were all like, well, this is very anticlimactic, yeah, very yeah. low energy. But so this was the energetic one. This is what 
gets him going. It is. When he's defiant and he's on his heels, he's actually stronger with his base. Mm-hmm. And I say all of this, though. Um, I think he is a very, very strong shot at getting the nomination. But mm-hmm. an indictment does nothing to get you new voters. Nobody right. is. Nobody's coming around saying, oh, actually, I changed my mind about, you know, the man who allegedly paid off a porn star and, mm-hmm. you know, committed campaign finance violations. Mm-hmm. So, so he's does- been through a lot of that. People sort of have porn star baked into Donald Trump, don't they? I mean, they've accepted it. I mean, that's yeah. that's the fascinating thing is the deal with the devil that was made back in 2016 for a lot mm-hmm. of uh, Republican voters. You accepted it then. You decided, you know, I'm these things are probably true. I'm OK mm-hmm. with it. I'm going to mm-hmm. take that bargain. So then it's hard to to, I guess, for many of these people to feign outrage now. Mm hmm. So now a majority of Americans support the indictment after a search of Mar-a-Lago. Trump-backed candidates didn't fare so well in the midterms. Outside the courthouse, Marjorie Taylor Greene and George Santos tried to speak at a sparsely attended rally, driven out. So it's it's kind of a mixed bag. There's also things behind this indictment. Georgia, the possible federal one. There's a case in New York, the rape case, essentially. So does this build up or does it just do people keep calling it political when it may not be? So. My fear, I've been a bit concerned with this indictment coming down first. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's my perspective as a non-attorney, mm-hmm. um, more as a communications person who thinks about mm-hmm. the court of public opinion, mm-hmm. that it is the weakest of the cases. And I say that because it is seven years old. Cy mm-hmm. Vance chose not to take it up. and Although he says he would have had bar. Anyway, it, yeah, it's con- yeah, complicated. That's, yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's, it, and listen. Um, he couldn't take it up. He couldn't take it up. And then, you know, even this this next hearing being scheduled for December 4th, so eight mm-hmm. months from now, right. I think that there's a lot of folks who are going to hear that and they're going to be like, this doesn't seem like, you know, justice should move swiftly. It's not. Mm-hmm. This is going to drag on into, you know, the middle of a primary season. Mm-hmm. I was February 5th. Mm-hmm. And then if that's a hearing, the trial could be, you know, mid late next year. So mm-hmm. I think most people don't think this is going to be Trump's, you know, undoing. Mm-hmm. But what is coming could be. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've uh, sat down with the Department of Justice in the January 6th investigation. Um, mm-hmm. They're pulling a lot of important threads there, and it seems like they're moving quickly. Um, the Mar-a-Lago investigation, the the, the documents, I mean, this mm-hmm. is incredibly important. These are mm-hmm. national security secrets. Had I walked out of the Pentagon or the White House with any one document marked, mm-hmm. you know, TSSCI, I'd be in federal prison right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I think Fulton County is very interesting. This is, the, mm-hmm. you know, the infamous, I need just 11,000 votes. So right. there's more coming for him. I do worry about um, indictment fatigue uh, mm-hmm. with the American public, but he he knows this is the beginning, not the end of... of and, and so when you say indictment fatigue, although it could be like, oh, it's this guy, he got indicted again. Like, I, to me, the weak one coming first is actually stronger because then the next ones get Bad, like then they become more and more. Or you could say maybe they're just out to get them, right? That's the tack they're taking. Yeah, my fear is the latter. Um, if I was still, if I had my hyperpartisan Republican hat on, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why are they waiting until right before the primary season to have the next hearing? Um, well, he know. wants that too. He wants <laughs> it. He could have asked for it to be expedited, but he, he didn't. could have. And and listen, mm-hmm. Trump is actually one of his his talents is the ability to spin very negative things in his favor. And I think mm-hmm. his his campaign's going to be on mm-hmm. overdrive uh, to frame this as political and as a witch hunt. Mm-hmm. And they're going to use this to try to undermine the other, in my opinion, much more serious investigations. I see. So if you were working for him, I'm going to put you on the spot. What would you put your Trump hat back on? What would you do to defend him? What would be the messaging you would use? (laughs) 
you go after the DA, of course, let me be very clear, not in the horrific way that he has, which is highlighting mm-hmm. his family and his daughter. That is just mm-hmm. outright intimidation. But you talk about the fact, you know, New York City, we do have growing crime here. This is a DA who's downgraded a number of misdemeanors, um, from, well, from felonies, felonies to misdemeanors, including, you know, trespassing, mm-hmm. marijuana offenses. So this is a guy who doesn't want to be tough on the actual crime that affects people, but is coming mm-hmm. o- after right. someone over campaign finance. Right. That's a New York argument. That's a New York public. Right. I mean, listen, nationally, he's going to pull the witch hunt. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. liberal DA. They're trying to, they've been trying to come after me since 2016. Soros, Soros. Yeah. With the, all the anti-Semitic undertones of the ongoing Soros attacks. Mm-hmm. And that, that's effective or just what he's going to, what they're going to do. Would you advise that? Or is there some other thing, novel thing you would say? It's, it, it, it's hard because I'm so emotionally invested in him <laughs> yeah. being held accountable. <laughs> yeah. I think he does need to try to frame it as partisan. I think that's right. the only thing that breaks through with people who g- the general average American who actually believes in the legal system. I don't like when it's, you know, he had something, uh, you know, truth social doubt, something about defunding the Department of Justice. Yeah. That stuff doesn't play. Most Americans yeah, generally trust cops, legal, you know, law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And so I think you try to knock away at the credentials of the, the district attorney. attorney. All right. On the other side, what's the what's the way to fight it? You the, criminal? The, you the fucking most criminal. simple thing, you fucking criminal. I know. <laughs> the most simple thing is, you know, Michael Cohen did time for this. If mm-hmm. Michael Cohen's going to get locked up for it, then Donald Trump is. No one is above mm-hmm. the law. Um, mm-hmm. Minor offenses, if a court of law, um, you know, mm-hmm. a grand jury of his peers decides uh, to convict him, then he needs to serve just the way anyone else would. So smoke fire, like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And this guy keeps piling on the, you know, it, enough is enough would be, I would seem to me, would, would, is that worse? Is that resonant? Because there is a weariness of Trump himself. There, There is. I think, listen, Trump does himself no favors. I mean, talk about the, the worst client for any attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, or PR it, person. It, or PR person. But right. part of why the arraignment dragged on for so long, the actual proceeding in the courtroom was mm-hmm. because uh, the, the judge took a moment to, you know, kind of encourage him to not be engaging mm-hmm. in rhetoric that could amount mm-hmm. to, you know, incite violence and other things. And then he went on to attack Alvin Bragg and his family, um, mm-hmm. as well as uh, the, the judge. So I think, I think he's going to make plenty of missteps that reveal his character and his rage that I think will influence people's opinion quite a bit. Opinion, but not necessarily an actual case. Now, if he is convicted, should he be banned? Speaking of banning, banning TikTok, should he be banned from office? Now, legally, he'll still be allowed to serve, but should he be? So I think if it's a federal crime, yes. I think Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, if you're convicted of a federal crime, especially these these two, both the Mar-a-Lago documents investigation and January 6th. So January 6th, if they're able to you know, make the case, which I think is there, that he incited a violent mob to attack the Capitol and try to mm-hmm. halt the democratic process, that should preclude someone from ever holding office again, mm-hmm. um, hands mm-hmm. down. And and then on the Mar-a-Lago case, I mean, part of this is trying to try him under the Espionage Act. Mm-hmm. Mishandling of classified secrets is not mm-hmm. a small offense in any sense mm-hmm. of the word. He has no way of being able to claim that those documents couldn't have gotten in the wrong hands. Just, just the chain of custody alone, them being moved, you know, there was a lock on the door, there wasn't. You've been there. You've been to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Do you like it? It's, it is the 
tackiest country club I've ever stepped foot in. <laughs> it's got to be your thing. It's got to be your thing. It's, it's, it's listen. It's it's pretty, but it's it's a weird place. Yeah, yeah. It's right on there on the on the intercoastal. It's very pretty. The pretty where it is is very. Pretty, it's it's very beautiful. But but it's, you know, a lot yeah. of Palm Beach is like that. You're like really people. What are you doing down here? But they like it. They like yes. it. They like. I, I shouldn't judge. I am judging really hard. I but, know. I feel bad. So, I really yeah, that's okay. You can call. That's okay. It's all right. So one of the things that you mentioned is he brought a lot of people along with him. So why is the conservative having such a hard breaking up with him? He doesn't win elections. Trump back candidates lost competitive races in 2022, including Dr. Oz. They just lost these. We'll talk about the ones they lost yesterday. Trump endorsed candidates didn't fare well in 2018. His candidates lost two special elections in Georgia. Of course, he lost 2020. Um, he has the legal problems. He's got, you know, the, the civil suit, uh, net worth, two lawsuits, as I said, by E. Jean Carroll, accusing him of rape and defamation. Why? What? <laughs> I know. We just can't quit him. I know. No, it's, um, it's, a, it's a fear factor. So mm-hmm. on a more individual level, he... He has the ability to destroy any Republican politician's career if he decides mm-hmm. to turn on them. He mm-hmm. does have that hold on the base. But then more broadly for the party, the fear is that if it's not him, he'll burn the whole thing to the ground. Mm-hmm. The problem with Donald Trump, and I think my friend George Conway uh, would agree with this, is he's going to burn it down anyway, whether he intends to or not. Um, and to rip off the Band-Aid is the only way to deal with him. The, mm-hmm. the, the folks who want to have one foot in Trump world and, you know, kind of appeal to him, think mm-hmm. that they're going to keep his base on board, but then keep one mm-hmm. foot in the world, world of people like me. It doesn't work. Right. It didn't work for, you know, my, my friend and old boss, Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. I see Nikki Haley, who there's a lot I really like about her. Mm-hmm. It's not working. You, you've, mm-hmm. you've got it. It's, I would rather go down in a blaze of glory, polling at 2% saying mm-hmm. the right thing and calling him out mm-hmm. than, you know, just help glide him to the presidency again. So people said there isn't anyone to do that. No one, that, there, that someone, there's a real opening to do that, but nobody capable of doing it. I think the probably the most capable person, but I don't know that I think he's going to get in, would be Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, mostly because he's just, he's not, he's not brash, mm-hmm. um, but he can't throw a punch. Mm-hmm. He has his own record to run on. And unlike Many of the candidates we assume are going to get in and the announced ones, he never worked for Trump. Mm-hmm. So he's got his own thing to run on. He's, you know, a popular governor in a purple state. But he seems to be chomping at the bit to go after both DeSantis and Trump. Mm-hmm. He's got some ideologically different views than DeSantis mm-hmm. like I do. Um, I just don't know that he gets in because he's also a young, highly popular governor. Mm-hmm. He could coast and wait till another cycle to run. Right. But it, well, trust me, I'm waiting for someone to be the hero. Right. <laughs> Nobody is. All right. We'll take a quick break. When we come back. We'll talk about how Trump's rivals could use this moment and more about the media fallout. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. 
It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian Intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Support for Pivot comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software, including Jira, Confluence, and Trello, help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal, can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared, company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Alyssa, we're back with more on the fallout from Donald Trump's arrest. Let's talk about the media coverage. Trump thrives on it, good or bad. We saw Tuesday networks gave this wall-to-wall treatment. It was ridiculous at one point. Like, now the car, the car, the doors, there's going to be doors. They could open in this door and this door. They did, made a joke of it on late night uh, television. How, talk about the media coverage without making him into the legend. How do you co- cover a narcissist without feeding his ego? Because literally, it was back. I felt like I was back in 2016 again. It really did. It actually, I mean, honestly, parts of it remind me of OJ. Like we mm-hmm. have the aerial shots yes. of the motorcade yeah, and the yeah. plane landing. It's a tough balance that I don't always know the answer because there's such a vital public interest there. Mm-hmm. Like I found myself, I mean, I was sitting on set for most of it at CNN on a, on a panel just watching and I couldn't take my eyes off of what's going to mm-hmm. happen next. The unpredictability of Trump is, is excellent TV, mm-hmm. but. Rachel Maddow went on a really interesting rant where she essentially said, you know, she's not going to cover Trump's full speech. There's no news value in it. It's the same airing of grievances. Mm -hmm. And I think there has to be a balance of that. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a conversation we constantly have at CNN. and um, Yeah, because he's good for ratings, right? Well, he's good for ratings. People want to know. They want to see. But how do you not just boost his, his public persona the way that many in the media did in 2016? And I don't know where that fine line exists. Mm -hmm. But of course, you guys had wall-to-wall coverage, right? You were on. We, we cut CNN cut out of the speech, which I definitely think was the right call. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and simply because there, there. I mean, a he's impossible to fact check. We did. We aired a fact check afterward. Um, that wasn't even able to get to all of the mm-hmm. the untruths that mm-hmm. he shared. But it is. It, it was a historic day. So I do tend to think that. You've got to show it, mm-hmm. but contextualize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really just shout out to some of my, the legal analysts at CNN, Ellie Honig, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who was able to offer insight of mm-hmm. what this meant, why it mattered throughout the contextualizing and the fact checking is key. And except it's then about him. But I want to play a clip from Fox News, actually. I won't set this up too much. So let's listen. So the government has a very, very strong case. What is the right. crime here is the use of funds. Uh, which were told under oath to the federal government that they were legitimate campaign funds in order to pay off someone 
his mistress to remain silent, and he conspired with others, the people who contributed the money. So he's facing two five-year charges. The guilt, the evidence of guilt on both is overwhelming. It is an incredible fall from grace uh, for John Edwards, and he... <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? So that's Judge Andrew uh, Neapolitano. This is 2011 discussing the indictment of John Edwards, which people are comparing it to. Now, of course, they were against John Edwards. The Republicans were. It didn't really work in general. They, he managed to prove that he was doing it to protect his wife who was dying. Um, Trump has tried the Melania defense. It's not quite as strong here. When you look at stuff like this, this is the equalization. Is that PR thing to do is equalization then brings down the argument of the other side, presumably? I think so. I, I, I saw a lot of folks invoking uh, the John Edwards <laughs> example, um, and he, he did ultimately get off. His political career was over, though. So his political career was over, yeah. and this is somebody who also never had that, <laughs> you know, the staying power that Donald Trump does, <laughs> and you know, being a former president. My 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 concern there, though, is everything with him defies norms. This <laughs> went. This goes further, like. And I just keep saying this is the least relatable crime, mm-hmm. like paying off a porn star hush money yeah. to try to, you know, hide from yeah. both your wife, but the American public. And I do think it's one of those areas where your mind's made up about it, mm-hmm. though. You're either you either have decided you're not with Trump or you've decided this is a witch hunt. And I'm not sure I see this changing a whole lot of hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, Kara, sure. though, um, what do you what do you think about the media coverage? I think it's been and, terrible. And, I think it's been terrible. I have to say, it's once again, it's the same old, same old. And they're just the following the cars and the doors. I was sort of like, you're kidding me. We're watching his his motorcade. Like, why him getting there? Like, it was strange. And then it creates because they want to create a sense. I know what they're doing. They're creating a sense of tension. And here it comes. It's like a Law and Order episode. But it's not a law and order episode, you know, and so it, it just was he coming out door. What's he, I, some of it? Some of the coverage was this is what's happening, and that's absolutely news. It's a historic event. It is because he's the first president to be criminally indicted, and so that was important. But the, all the rest around it and the endless chit chattery was really. I think untoward. I think it's just plays right into, I don't know if it'll get him elected, but it plays into this weird relationship that, that, that the United States has with this man. And I think that's what it really is. It's not just Republicans. It's everybody has, they can't quit him. And, and so that was the media can't quit him. And of course, there is financial benefit from it. They're just, of course, they're just, they said it out loud a couple of years ago, but now they don't say it out loud. No, it's undoubtedly a factor in, you know, the, the, uh, the 10 million that he's raised. I mean, he got, he got close to that and earned media coverage in the mm-hmm. past couple oh, of days. Oh, sure. A hundred percent. And so, you know, whatever. It's just, we're not talking about other things. And speaking of other things, how should, um, presidential hopefuls say you worked for them manage this moment on the Republican side declared Nikki Haley and Asa Hutchinson? How would you handle it? You don't beat Trump by not taking him on directly. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, you're, if you, if you can see the Grateful Dead, you're not going to go see a Grateful Dead cover mm-hmm. band. So the, the kind of running is mini Trumps, mm-hmm. as I would say Ron DeSantis is. Mm-hmm. People are going to want the original if mm-hmm. that's what they're looking for. Right. So you need to identify the voters who aren't looking for that and offer them something different. Mm-hmm. I, I, I briefly got excited about Nikki Haley. I liked her as governor. I really liked her as UN ambassador, but. It's like she's running a traditional Republican campaign mm-hmm. and ignoring the fact that the front runner is Donald J. Trump, mm-hmm. a man who defies every norm and takes up all the oxygen mm-hmm. in the room. DeSantis is trying to outstunt him, even though he's an undeclared, you know, candidate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Asa's, it's interesting. I applaud him for at least being willing to say Trump is unfit for office and he wouldn't support him. Mm-hmm. That's going where few elected Republicans or former, in his case, mm-hmm. will go. 
I have a hard time seeing how he could ever get significant steam. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I'm, I'm holding out for, you know, some kind of a a dream scenario where someone gets in and says, I want to, I want to go toe to toe with him on a debate stage. But at this point, it almost feels like people are running to be as VP than running against him. Yes, that's true. So you have DeSantis is the, is the cover band, presumably. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, who may or may not run now, apparently. And well, and the, the thing there that, and you know, I, I, Work for Pence, I think highly of him. Mm-hmm. I'll always be grateful for his heroism on January 6th. But he and Pompeo were in the same boat and to a lesser degree, Nikki Haley, where it's hard to run against someone who you served under mm-hmm. and where a lot of the things you want to tower from their administration. Mm-hmm. Do I do give quick props to Mike Pompeo though? I'm, I'm really disturbed by some of this anti Ukraine sentiment mm-hmm. that's uh, jetting up on the right. Mm-hmm. You know, we shouldn't be supporting them. It actually goes to mm-hmm. further, but I'm not even going to echo the pro Putin propaganda. And he made a point to go to Ukraine and to express his unwavering support. Mm-hmm. So it's a good juxtaposition, but it's not direct enough and it's not going to break so through. Okay. What about Joe Biden? What should he do? What should Joe Biden do? Just nothing? Say, get a load of this <laughs> guy. <laughs> I think he won by saying, get a load of this guy a lot, right? Well, okay. I'm going to say what he should do, which isn't <laughs> okay. going to happen. Okay. If, and if, my apologies to my friends in the Joe Biden right. White House, if he decided not to run for re-election, mm-hmm. he would go down in history as one of the most consequential presidents in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. He became that stopgap that we needed at a time where our nation was helplessly divided. He has a legislative record that Strong. Democrats can be proud of and some bi- big bipartisan wins, chips, mm-hmm. transport, uh, infrastructure, I should say. I think that would be powerful. Mm-hmm. And knowing when to pass the baton is, you know, a lost art in American politics. Mm-hmm. I don't think well, that's going to happen. Washington did it, and he did really well for doing it. Washington, that is true. He's come down. We've emulated it. Yes. No. Nobody's emulated. It's just him. <laughs> that was him the last time they did it. So he should he should step aside and then get out of the way for a much more vibrant candidate. I that that's my sense. The problem is is the Democrats have a strong bench for let's say four years from now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they have a strong one right now. Like Westmore in Maryland is mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got some of these rising stars. I don't know that they have the heir apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, respectfully, I do not think it's Vice President Harris. Many people don't um, think that. Yeah. yeah, there's she's just struggled to get a real policy um, portfolio mm-hmm. and wins on the books. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually expected her to be a lot more formidable than I, I observed she has been since being VP. Not uh, Newsom? So I'd be curious, your thoughts on this. I'm not sure I think Democrats can elect a wealthy cis white male in this era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden's an exception because he, he was Obama's VP. Right. And he's so popular in somewhere like South Carolina. But right. I don't know that the progressive left gets behind Newsom. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. He's super aggressive. I, I like what he's doing in terms of aggression, you know, and sort of he's making a name for himself in that regard. And he does run the state that's bigger than most countries, right? So it's not like he doesn't have the experience. And, uh, you know, handsome, tall man, that never hurts. You know, that I hate to say it, but that's, you look at, that's who, Trump is tall. People don't realize Obama mm-hmm. was very tall. You know, then there's Mitch Landro down in um Louisiana. That's another person. I actually love him. I saw him speak once. He's he's hilarious. He's a Biden. He's a Joe Biden type of person. Like people yes. love him down there. 
Well, and you know who I, I my money was on a Buddha judge, mm-hmm. uh, like Buddha judge running, but he's had such a, mm-hmm. there's so many, you know, infrastructure related, yeah, or problems. I say, transportation yeah. related issues. Yeah, not his fault, but still his fault. So that's the problem. Exactly. You own it if that's your title. All right. So the last one would be Joe Lieberman and Joe Manchin involved in the group No Labels. They raised $70 million from undisclosed donors. Could Republicans like you go over there or more centrist Democrats move over there who are irritated by the far left? I would love to see a vibrant third party, but the problem is what it does is it tends, it would, it's going to boost one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And I think that the fear factor, you know, I've, if Liz Cheney's talked about this before is you, you run somebody to the middle and you actually risk taking more votes from Joe Biden mm-hmm. and boosting, uh, you know, candidate Donald Trump to the nomination. I don't mm-hmm. think we're in a place where a third party does much beyond, um, raise a lot of money and create headaches for the existing parties without actually having a path to victory. Right. But what I, I would say is this. Well, that's what Pat Buchanan did back when, if you remember. That is true. Yeah. That's oh, what he did. Throwback yeah. to whole I Pat remember, Buchanan. I have um, never forgotten Pat Buchanan. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, I do think our, our primary system is doing such a disservice to the mm-hmm. country um, in both parties. You, you, especially on the right, I mean, we nominate the least electable pers- person in a general election. Mm-hmm. But someone like a mansion in a general, I bet could get 60% of the country. Mm-hmm. I-, I could vote for Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. There's things I disagree with him on, but I could vote for him. Mm-hmm. You'd have a ton of Republicans who'd be willing to vote, especially if it's him against a Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'd never get through a Democratic primary. Yeah. Could have to be a third party run. Third party run. run. Um, so I'm going to push you one more time. If it's, if it's Joe Biden, what would you do if you were him? Okay. He's not going to resign. Say he decides he's fit as a fiddle. What would, what would be his message? He's got legislative achievements to run on, but he's got to do that. I'm the president for all Americans. I actually thought his inauguration was extremely mm-hmm. powerful. Um, what he said, I as a Republican have seen a little less of trying to reach the Republican side or the middle um, since he's been in office. But I think reminding folks of there are certain American values that are more important than partisan politics, our democracy being number one, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the alternative, assuming it is a Trump, which, hey, it may not be, but it's going to be Trump. Um, the alternative is a threat to our underlying democratic values, to our institutions and to the future of the free world. Mm-hmm. You need to make it this time for choosing kind of moment. Mm-hmm. I think he's capable of doing it, but I, uh, I yeah. mean, it's uh, the, the age factor is not a small deal. And no. by the way, Donald Trump's Trump is old too. They're both old. old. Yeah, yeah, we should. They should have new ones for everyone. <laughs> All right, one more question. The the results in Wisconsin last week elected Democratic backed Judge Janet Protasiewicz uh, for the state Supreme Court, giving the body a liberal majority for the first time in fifteen years. It was the most expensive campaign for a state Supreme Court in U.S. history. It's an important one. The court is expected to rule on abortion rights. The newly elected judge made women's rights a focus of her campaign and won the endorsement of Planned Parenthood. She won by a lot. It wasn't a little. At roughly 11 percentage points, that is a big win. Many people, including a friend of Pivot, Rebecca Tracer, argues that abortion rights is a winning issue in these elections. You've seen it happen all over the place. You saw it in the midterms, possibly. Not, and not just that. It was, it was, I think, a surprise. Same thing in Chicago, the more progressive candidate won. That's not as much a surprise, I think, to most people, uh, because it was a close election in that case. Um, law and order person versus a more progressive, socially expansive one. So talk, what does Wisconsin mean if you're a Republican strategist? It's a it's a huge deal. Um, mm-hmm. The loss. I mean, first and foremost, candidate quality matters. Um, and once again, we we ran someone so far to the right mm-hmm. that they they lacked the ability to have that statewide appeal. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, sorry to keep going back to him. There's a Trump factor to this. So. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in, tw- in 20, I want to say 16 or 2017, Republicans held the Supreme Court in mm-hmm. Wisconsin in a 5-2 majority, which was seen as insurmountable, that mm-hmm. that would be a Republican-held yep. Supreme Court for some yes. time. They've now lost the court in two governor's two races. Governors, yep. So this is a swing state, and a very important one, by the way, electorally in a, in a mm-hmm. presidential election mm-hmm. that we are, we are bleeding support in mm-hmm. because of the kind of people that we're choosing to run. But there's also something more important about this race. So my apologies if you don't follow mm-hmm. like far right leaders, but, mm-hmm. uh, Ali Alexander, this guy who was one of the January 6th organizers, mm-hmm. um, and he's, you know, had to, he's under investigation for his role there. He, he posted something, I believe on parlor that mm-hmm. basically said the quiet part out loud after this, um, the results came in. Mm-hmm. He said, we lost the Wisconsin Supreme Court. I do not see a path to 270 in 2024. Mm-hmm. So what he means by that is the reason that MAGA people, Trump people want these Supreme Courts is they're getting ready to challenge the results of another election. Sure. Yes. And they want favorable courts that are going to weigh in in their favor and mm-hmm. say, yep, we're, get, we're giving this to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. It's a big win for Democrats, mm-hmm. unquestionably. And so they will be able to push back, push abortion rights uh, back to the front. But mm-hmm. it's a winning issue. It seems to be a winning issue because they've taken it too far. Look at DeSantis in Florida, six weeks. I didn't know I was pregnant until seven, eight, nine weeks. Like, I don't remember, but it wasn't six weeks for sure. I think I think the midterms showed us that uh, it, uh, Republicans taking too extreme of an approach on abortion rights is is a unequivocal loser. And I don't think that we've I don't think we've properly measured the sentiment about um, around it. I, I've I'd be curious, actually, as a Republican to get some real data on how Republicans feel on this issue post Dobbs. Mm -hmm. Because I think, um, in, in the Roe v. Wade era, it it was easy to, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm Episcopalian, Mm -hmm. so it's easy to be culturally Mm pro-life. You know, I, I'm against abortion. That's kind of what we were taught. Mm -hmm. But you said it knowing that it was a legal right that women were able to have. And that wasn't a discussion. If they so choose. It wasn't something that you were actually actively seeing being taken away in different states. Mm-hmm. Now that that's changed, I mean, I'm constantly hearing from Republican girlfriends who are saying, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about this. Mm-hmm. I think where the states should, I mean, I think where we should be is much closer to, mm-hmm. to Europe. You know, um, we actually had much more, uh, liberal abortion laws under Roe than, mm-hmm. than a lot of European, uh, countries do, but, it's unequivocally going to be a uh, the one Continues of the most defining be, issues, which they didn't and think I, it would be in the election. Actually, Trump said that. That's one thing Trump said: is "What are you doing?" He was right on it. He yeah. was, and he probably understood it, given he probably knows a little bit about it, allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. But I, I think he did understand that this is one of the biggest issues, and it sta- has a staying power that is not uh, going away at any time soon. All right, when we get back, we're going to have you make a prediction. So one more quick break, and we'll be right back with Alyssa Farah. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. 
So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, Alyssa, you have to make a prediction. You can make a prediction. Oh, I have a depressing prediction. Okay, go ahead. I predict, uh, since we're talking politics a lot today, sure. I predict Donald Trump is going to get the Republican nomination. Mm-hmm. I also predict that Ron DeSantis is going to flame out in the next quarter. Mm-hmm. Not completely, but he's going to lose his number two kind of spot. And why? He's charmless. Think- My feeling, charmless. Char- Nixonian. Oh, charmless. There's... Not a whole lot of personality there. I think you, you can't just uh, live by, you know, governed by owning the libs. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of been his approach. He doesn't engage mainstream media. So he doesn't take mm-hmm. a lot of tough questions that are required to be able to defend your positions. Mm-hmm. And some of the unforced errors, I mean, the mistake he made on Ukraine was was incredible. You mm-hmm. saw you saw a yeah. ton of prominent Republicans coming mm-hmm. out and it, it looked amateur. Mm-hmm. That said, he has an incredibly strong team around him and he's raised a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I just, I don't think the there is there. Mm, charmless. I find him charming. Yeah. He's not like, he's like, you know, when they said about Hillary, she's likable enough. He's not even likable enough. That's he's, my job. He's not likable. Who, so who replaces him then? If you, I'm going to make you for, make that prediction more significant. You know, you know what? I think, um, wait for Pence to get in. I think Pence is going to have a moment. No. I think he, um, he does retail politics very well. Mm-hmm. So when he starts hitting Iowa, South Carolina, where, which he's really going to prioritize, he likes to shake hands and kiss babies. He knows how to talk yeah, to Republican-based voters because he's actually a true conservative, you know, <laughs> unlike someone like a Donald Trump. I think he'll have a moment. I, I, you know, I don't think it's enough to pull it off, but mm-hmm. I see him going up in the polls mm-hmm. once he's in. Anybody else? Stick out. Uh, Chris I mean, Christie? I am just... Chris Christie. I, no. You know what? Hey, props to Chris Christie because he does want to take on yeah, Trump. Yeah. But um, I think that moment would have been Many several years, years ago. ago. Yeah. So anybody else, nobody else. So that's it. I'd, I'd like to say, I mean, listen, if Governor Sununu gets in, I think that could be a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Tim Scott's testing the waters. I don't know. I really think the only person I see breaking through in a significant way would be Pence. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki Haley's going to be slow and steady. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I, I get the sense and I, I hope I'm wrong, but that she's running to be Trump's VP. Okay. Pick. I'm going to make you make one more prediction. I'm going to ask you VP of Trump. Is it Carrie Lake or the one from Kansas? No, the one from, no, Iowa. The Iowa governor. So he, um, if it were up to him, it would be probably be Carrie Lake. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think smarter advisors, I think, uh, Susie Wiles, who's around him is going to say it needs to be somebody who's going to appeal to moderates Mm -hmm. and to independents. That's where I actually think a Nikki Haley is central casting. Mm -hmm. Um, woman of color, uh, personal story, you know, former governor, UN ambassador. Kim Reynolds is good. I think Nikki Haley actually makes more sense and has more Mm -hmm. of a national profile. Mm But his instinct is going to be like Carrie Lake or Marjorie Taylor Greene, and his people are going to be like, no, 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 it's got to be <laughs> someone sane. Wouldn't that be a gift? Wouldn't that be a gift? <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene. Any predictions on your end? Uh, no, I, I think that uh, I think he's not going to be the nominee. How about that? Oh, I love it. Can we put, let's put some money yes, on it. Yes, let's put some money on it. A hundred bucks. I think he's, uh, I, let me just ask you, did you watch all the apprentices like I did? I did for a while. I watched a few seasons, but I not to the end. All of them. Everyone. He has an ending. He gets tired. People get tired. You're like, oh, him again. 
I'm just telling I you. I hope that series finale is coming for, for America. <laughs> I, you know, if they, if the right Republicans get to the primaries, it doesn't have to be just the craze. You know, they, mm-hmm. you don't have to leave it to the crazies. If you think, if you want to take it back, you can move them to vote. I don't know. Who do you think might be able to step in? Sununa. Yeah. Oh, good. I love to hear that. Okay. I was just in New Hampshire for a couple of weeks finishing my book, and I have to say they love him there. They love him. He's he's fantastic. I love him. Yeah. He seems reasonable enough. He seems, mm-hmm. and he's interesting, actually, as opposed to, I know you like Mitt Romney, but Mitt Romney's also not interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, and Sununu would be our first Lebanese president and as a Lebanese American. I love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on that note, that's the show. Also, Pivot is nominated for a Webby Award, and you need to vote for us. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Anyway, Thank you, uh, Alyssa Farah Griffin, and we'll be sure to find you on The View. Well, thank you so much for having me. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Endredat engineered this episode. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.